Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Firsts, a podcast about first-time medical experiences. My name's Tino, and I'm a third-year med student. I have a two-part series called First and Last. Part one is about birth, and part two is about loss. I put these episodes next to each other to give you an idea of the range of experiences that I've been having this year. As a med student, I get to work with people at some of their best moments in life and some of their worst. This episode has a few stories about birth. My grandmother will talk about how she ended up in a train crash while she was pregnant with my mom. Then my mom will talk about her first miscarriage and first delivery. But first, I'll talk about the first time that I assisted in the delivery of a child. So, without further ado, here is First and Last, Part 1. The pandemic completely changed how our lives have looked. School went online, a lot of work moved home, and many folks lost loved ones. But even in the most dire of circumstances, we made new beginnings. Couples got married, students graduated, and mothers gave birth. Much of the joy and the pain, both the highs and the lows of life, have persisted in 2020. Over the summer, I worked with a patient who was pregnant. One early afternoon, she started feeling big contractions. So a midwife and I positioned ourselves at the foot of the patient's bed. Then the patient started to push. The midwife readied her hands, and she told me to put my hands over hers so that I could understand the motions of catching a baby. Soon, the baby's head began to crown. Then he rolled to his right side, and his left shoulder popped out. Then his right shoulder came, and before we knew it, the baby was out, breathing, crying, and placed on the mother's chest. Both the mom and the dad were crying, smiling, saying hello to their newborn, and calling them by name. Before we left, we thanked the parents for letting us be a part of the delivery and the beginning of their baby's life. Despite the physical pain and intensity of the moment, I remember that experience for the joy that I saw and felt. It was amazing to have witnessed the end of a hardworking mother's nine-month journey. I got to be present for her baby's first breath, first cry, and first hug with their parents. I remember looking around the room and thinking that we had all been given this gift of living. I can only imagine what it must feel like for parents to hold their baby for the first time, if only watching childbirth made me feel this way. So, I was on the labor and delivery floor last summer, and after that, I told my family that I wanted to make an episode 
about witnessing the delivery of a baby. Delivery itself amazed me, but what I hadn't realized was that there were even more dramatic stories about childbirth within my own family tree. For this next segment, you'll need to know two words from the Filipino language. The two words are lolo, which means grandfather, and lola, which means grandmother. My grandmother, Lola P., had a near-death experience when she was pregnant with my mom. Here she talks about waking up in a hospital. She was trying to piece together why she was there in the first place. It was a Sunday evening, I think. And of course, we did not know anything about it. We were, I woke up. We were both on maybe, st- not a stretcher also, in the hospital already. I said, what happened? My grandparents had been driving home from a friend's house. At one point, they intersected with train tracks. It was past 11 p.m., so the guard manning the gate had gone home. The gate there would have stopped my grandparents from crossing those train tracks, but that night it was left up and open. The train came, and it pulled us up to... Well, it cannot stop right away, you know, mm-hmm. the train cannot stop right away. So when our car was uh, off the track already, we, we were thrown out of the window. That night, my grandparents had friends driving behind them. When they got to the intersection, they saw the aftermath of the crash. They picked they pick us up. We were good as dead, <laughs> Lolo and I. And you were six months pregnant with your mom. So our friends who came after us picked us up, brought us to the nearest, to the nearest um, hospital, which was quite a distance. Your Lolo was badly he was hit somewhere near his head, maybe. He was uh, comatose. I woke up earlier. I was, I was ahead of him, but I did not. I could not move also because of the broken arm and my big stomach. I had hearts all over my body, my left leg was also broken, and every time he would go to the doctor, they would bring me up to the, to the operating room mm-hmm. to see if I, if I could keep my arm or not. We stayed more than a month in the hospital. 
we were both suffering. But your mom was just there. <laughs> Quiet, quietly sleeping. <laughs> grandmother was a musician. She's playing the music that you hear now at the age of 92. She had studied at a conservatory and she had played concert piano as her livelihood. Losing her arm might have meant losing her life's work. Every so often, the doctors would put a feather to her fingertips to see if she could feel it. And if she would say, yes, I can feel the feather, they would decide that she could keep her arm. In 1963, there were five other accidents at the same crossroads. That year, my grandparents and my mom were the only ones who survived. Later, it was proven that the train company had a faulty warning system. I had a chance to review my grandparents' medical legal records. My Lola had fractures in her right arm, her left leg, and her jaw. She had a concussion, along with bruises, abrasions, and lacerations all over her body. But the one place where she did not have an injury was her belly. A miracle, given she was six months pregnant. Three months after the accident, my grandmother, in a full-body cast, delivered my mom. She gave my mom a special name because of their victory over death. That's why her name is Victoria, meaning victorious. She was victorious. I've had difficult years because of my arm, my leg. But thank God, you would say that it was your mommy. He was the angel who saved us. Could it be that it was the, she was the angel? Because those who visited us, because we had many visitors all the time, he said, if one of us would survive, then we would be lucky. Huh? And yet the three of us survived by the grace of God. And all of those who visited us, they're all gone. They're all gone. And we're still here. So... What is there for me to do yet, Lord? Why am I still here? My grandparents never stopped reminding my mom that she was basically the product of a miracle. And they felt that she was kept on earth to fulfill a greater purpose. That purpose to them was to heal other people. 
So that's why my mom is a physician. Now this train story is definitely unique, but it's a reminder that delivery is not something we can take for granted. In fact, as many as one in five known pregnancies end in miscarriage. There's not always a crying baby at the end of a desired pregnancy. So when successful deliveries do happen for parents who've been trying to conceive, delivery by itself is amazing. These next couple stories are told by my mom. She recounts her first miscarriage and first delivery. She tells plain truths about her experiences, and those truths are often emotional. If you know my family, you probably know that my mom's first kid was my sister, Anna. What you probably don't know is that my mom's first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. She was a second year resident in pathology when she was pregnant for the first time. The story goes that one day at work, she started feeling nauseous. Here's my mom. So I counted, you know, the days and I realized, wow, I had missed a period by like two or three days and just wasn't feeling well. So when I got home, a, I, I did a pregnancy test and lo and behold, I was pregnant. So, of course, I was elated. Daddy was unattending. He was uh, new attending at a hospital in Staten Island. So, um, you know, he came to visit me and we were very happy and all that. But since that first day, I started getting really sick, like hypermesis gravidarum. Hyperemesis gravidarum is a type of severe and persistent nausea and vomiting that happens during pregnancy. My mom had it frequently. Classic, couldn't keep food down, was in ketosis, just could not eat, was doing IV fluids. And that went on for a few weeks until all of a sudden I started feeling better, started eating, uh, but at the same time, I started getting fevers, you know, and getting a temperature. And I was wondering, uh, must be just some virus. It would come and go, and it was happening for a good two, three weeks. And uh, I realized uh, there must be something wrong. And a few days after, I started bleeding. I was working that day, you know, I was a resident when it happened. And... They sent me home, and of course I was in tears. I was very sad, I was actually very calm. And I do remember the ride driving home. And I knew I was coming to my apartment and dad wasn't gonna be there. He was keeping another apartment in Staten Island. So I was pretty much by myself. And dad called a good friend of ours. Um, the husband was a pediatrician and the wife was a neonatal intensivist. She drove me 
to the doctor's office. And uh, of course, they did an ultrasound and they said that I had lost the baby. And probably explaining why I had this on and off fever that it may have died, you know, weeks ago. And it coincided, coincided with me starting to feel better. The nausea went away, you know, but I guess it was just something that, that wasn't meant to be. So that took the day off, you know, must have been a day or two after, and I had a dilatation and curatage. For those who don't know, dilation and curatage is a procedure to remove tissue from the uterus of a patient. I'm surprised that even now, that still moves me to crying. I do recall having tears while it was being done. It was my first pregnancy. And I think as a doctor, I didn't know what it meant, what was ahead for me, if that was just a fluke, or if that was the start of many. So the doctor said, you know, to wait three months later. And three months later, lo and behold, I was feeling sick again. And I went to get pregnancy tests and I was pregnant. And daddy was out playing basketball with friends. And I called him nonstop uh, in his pager. called me back and I shared the good news with him that I was pregnant. It was a very joyous time and yeah, it meant so much to me more, you know, to be pregnant. My mother's first pregnancy ended in a sad and scary way. So when my mom gave birth to my sister Anna, you can imagine how happy my parents were when she first arrived. Here's my mom again. This time she talks about delivering my sister. So I got pregnant with Anna. And of course, again, I had hyperemesis, even worse. And carried to term, you know, tried to really do everything right. Took good care of myself, ate well. And then the day came, um, both my parents arrived from the Philippines. They flew all the way. And then a few days later, my in-laws arrived. I think they arrived the day before 4th of July because we were expecting the baby to come July 10th. So July 3rd, both sides of uh, grandparents were present. We were all at home. And then I started to ha have my bloody show. And soon after, I started having labor pains, and, you know, it was more than five minutes apart. So called the doctor, went to bed, and around four or five in the morning, um, I woke up my husband and said, I think it's time to go. It's every three minutes now. And so it was funny. We were riding the car. My husband was driving, I was in the front passenger seat, and 
four grandparents were at the back, squished together. And soon after, two, three hours later, our first child, Anna, came. Everyone was there. I mean, what a great occasion. Uh, grandparents flying all the way. Of course, Dad and I just overwhelmed. Uh, I think, of course, it's more meaningful after you've gone through a miscarriage. Things that will always be indelibly printed in your mind and heart will be the birth of your child. Maybe it's all the pain and the joy mixed in together. My sister, Anna, was born on the 4th of July. My parents used to tell her that the fireworks on Independence Day were all meant for her. What I didn't realize was that my parents could hear the fireworks outside when they first held my sister. Following a miscarriage, that day of fireworks brought relief and joy to my parents. Hello? Hey, Mom. I just got home from the hospital. Oh, how was your day? I saw my first delivery today. Oh, really? How was it? It was amazing. It was just an emotional and joyful moment to be a part of. Oh, you know, my, my first rotation was also OB-GYN. So it was a government hospital. It was overwhelming. Delivery is one endpoint to a journey where things could have gone in very different ways. If my grandmother had not survived that train crash, or if my mom kept having miscarriages, the simple fact is that I would not be here. Sometimes I take my experiences in med school for granted. The days can be long, the exams can be hard, and the things I've seen can be tough to process. But having witnessed birth for the first time, now I have an understanding of the range of emotions that life can provoke. It can be painful and joyful and everything in between. That was First and Last, Part 1. Thank you to my mom, Victoria Cousy, my grandmother, Pilar Cousy, and my sister Anna for their immense help with this episode. Music is from Blue Dot Sessions and My Lola. My name is Tino Della Merced. You've been listening to Firsts. <laughs>